1: Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. News Fox creeping forward. He pulls up 18-footers. <laughs> Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. One, fakes twice, gives the belly, 35
0: foot three for the win. Yes, we deserve this win, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. For 40 48 minutes. I ain't about them games.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast, presented by the Kings Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we always do. What's oh, going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm feeling a little H for
2: H tonight. Uh, a little something-something uh, you know, for Hinky because we got we got Will Griffith joining the show from the
1: Kings Herald, of course, uh, and he's here to talk to us about Sam Hinky. How are you doing tonight, Will?
0: Good. How are we doing tonight, gentlemen?
1: It's going good, man. I appreciate you coming on and taking the time out of your day. And so when the news of Vlade getting fired dropped... What, and eventually you made this Hinky piece, was Hinky the first guy that came to your mind? It was just a popular name, or what inspired you to kind of dive into Sam Hinky?
0: So Sam Hinky was somebody who was rumored to, um, the Kings had reached out to Sam Hinky for a, a front office role back in uh, 2017. Uh, Vladi obviously had just kind of kicked off his tenure and it seemed like the Kings were looking for a little extra help. And, uh, Mark Stein um, and oh, and Woj obviously tweeted out that Vivek had been quietly searching for an executive to put over Vladi. Um, obviously, that ended up being our boy Joe Dumars. But that they the reports from everybody was, oh, they talked to Sam Hinkie and the King Said obviously shut that down. Same day they were like, oh, we're not hiring Sam Hinkie. We've never talked to Sam Hinkie. But I, I kind of doubt Woj and Mark Stein both got got false information on that one. Um, so when when Vladi got fired, the first thing I thought of was, you know, you take an account of everything Vivek's done in those seven years. Like, what has he allowed Vladi to do that that is, you know, obviously you're thinking of like the the Doncic draft or or picking Papa Giannis and you know all these different things over and over again that he's done that that ended up being for nothing. You know, the super team just young ended up not not being young or super. And, and so your mind, obviously, at least my mind, at least went to, like, okay, good. Like, now's the time to put somebody in here who's got a vision towards the future. And with the Kings, obviously, already having quietly talked to Sam Hinkey about a position and knowing Vivek is, is somebody who would who would reach for somebody in the tech industry, which is where Sam Hinkey is now, he was just a name that naturally kind of came to my head who I, I wanted to explore a little bit deeper.
2: Yeah, what is his background pre-basketball and, and post-basketball right
0: now? So, so right now he he's um, he's teaching a class at Stanford. He's a professor at Stanford. And um, I think he does one, uh, like, management class, but it's entertainment and sports combined. And really what he's he's been doing since has been, like, taking uh, – there was a, an interesting article that came out a couple of years ago, and forgive me, I don't remember who wrote it, but Sam Hinkie's basically been chilling in his office, taking meetings from as many interesting people as possible. So, like, uh, I bu- I believe they talked about the guys who um who started up Soylent, um the like the dog food for humans that it's like oh you just eat your eat your food in these little packets of like bland flavorless stuff and then you go about your day and it's super nutritious and you don't have to deal with with cooking or anything else. But he's been taking meetings from as many like tech people and investing companies and stuff like that he's been advising on some investing too that that was something I he recently did a podcast where they uh it was an investing podcast but he he basically talked his strategy about about life and how that it, it related to the investing world but right now I think his his main claim to fame is professor at Stanford University interesting
1: and, and do you know what Led up to Hinkie eventually getting the GM job for the Sixers, like what his path uh, getting to the NBA was.
0: Um, I, I know that he worked with um, Daryl Morey in in uh, Houston originally. He he was the guy who kind of picked uh, like Kyle Lowry out of the bunch, and I, I want to say Aaron Brooks as well. That he he was one of their analytics guys that um, that worked under Hinkie. That that Hinkie obviously was impressed by. Um, past that, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, um, but I do, I, I do know for a fact that he started off in Houston and uh, was kind of known as the, uh, the same way that we recognize uh, Bobby Webster or Tolsman in Toronto right now. He was that guy who was starting to run things for, uh, for Daryl Morey.
2: So I think his reputation is kind of, kind of of this big-brained disruptor type. I think there's different gems. You kind of look at, you know, the basketball guys, guys that played, guys that coached, um, and you know, maybe whether this is accurate or not, you know, more basketball-focused minds. Where would you say like Hinkie is more of a, uh, yeah, like just a just a really really smart guy that could maybe succeed at, at whatever the task put in front of him is.
0: Yeah, I, w- I would say he's more than just a, a basketball mind. Obviously, he he has a direct interest in in you know a variety of subjects. He uh, he's definitely a, a math and numbers guy, but he he uh I, I, you know the the way you describe him is a lot like you describe Vivek in terms of he's a tech he's a tech industry guy or he's a Silicon Valley guy. Like he's looking for the advantages that that haven't quite been found yet or haven't quite been proven to be the correct way of doing things necessarily, or the, uh, the respectable way of doing things. You, you brought up um, him as a disruptor. And like, that was something that he had said a couple of times in a, a resignation letter that he put out that got leaked to, uh, to the press that like, that, he, that they were supposed to have a reverence for disruption, that they were going to go places that other teams were unwilling to go. That that uh, I'm sorry if you heard that that was my computer telling me my uh, my Gmail's out of date. I apologize. Um, but that they were uh, they were going to get a competitive advantage by and something hopefully that was lasting and not just like like something small by leapfrogging the competition who were um, unwilling to go as far as they were in terms of basketball strategy.
1: Can you, by the way, you have, I don't know if we mentioned this and somehow glossed over it, uh, you put an amazing piece out on the King's Herald breaking down um, Hankey and kind of what we're guiding this conversation by. And can you kind of let the listeners know what Hinky walked into when he took over the job for Philadelphia in 2013 being a less than ideal situation?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So in May of 2013, um, they they'd kind of made the situation they so the uh, the previous um, general manager DeLeo had recently traded for Andrew Bynum had sent away some 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 draft picks and some other things to pick up Andrew Bynum who at the time was still a star. Um, Andrew Bynum never played for the Sixers really he injured his knee famously bowling. Um, but um, basically they were completely barren of 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 anything. They had two guys on. Rookie scale deals. They had Evan Turner, and they had um, Arnett Moultrie. They had guys like um, Darrell Young, or I'm sorry, Darrell Wright, Nick Young, Damian Wilkins, Royal Ivy. Those guys were, were leaving the team. They had Jason Richardson, um, who had a knee injury that was going to keep him out all year. Um, basically, they were a team that was injured, old, and and expensive. And um, they had a guy like Andrew Bynum who could have been the, the anchor to a 34-win team, and um, he, wa- he wasn't ever going to play a game for him. Um, I think Kinky said that they had, before he was officially hired, that he'd projected that they'd be in the low 20s in terms of wins. And um, to get Andrew Bynum, they just sent out Nick Vucevic and Mo Harkless as part of that trade. So two guys who were young guys who obviously proved to be NBA players in one regard or another, uh, Vucevic as an all-star, um, they traded him for a guy who who eventually would never end up playing for them.
2: So not to jump the gun too much into getting into the Kings situation, I mean, we can cover more of who Hinky is uh, in his time in Philadelphia, but, but just comparing that situation to where the Kings are at right now, do you see a big difference or do you see the situation in Sacramento being kind of ripe for a hinkie esque long-term uh, redevelopment?
0: I think there's some similarities there. Obviously the Sixers had a guy, um, in Drew Holiday who was, who was, uh, a, a young all-star who, um, many had thought would be the future of the team who, uh, Hinckley came in and, um, sent him away he sent him away for a package of um of uh who's I'm sorry his name's escaping me right now um Noel yeah Nerlens Noel yeah he sent away Nerlens Noel and, and and another pick and 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 so people who that's I think that's something that scares Kings fans right away cuz he sees kind of a top heavy team that's underperforming and he walks into it and then he looks at De'Aaron Fox for 5 minutes and goes that that smells a lot like Drew Holiday to me so uh, I think there's a lot of similarities there. The Kings obviously aren't a young team. Um, uh, they do have contracts that are, that are fairly bloated, especially for what they're giving in return, Harrison Barnes being one. Um, you could mention Buddy Heald as well. Um, so in terms of differences, I think the difference is that the, the Kings, obviously they haven't a they have traded away their Nick Vucevic yet. They have uh, potentially that and a, and a Marvin Bagley. They've got that other all-star. They, they they haven't given away the farm in terms of their their picks either they've kind of held on to their picks recently after sending them out all over hell for uh, for players that, that weren't going to work out for the Kings so um, in all you know there's obviously there's obviously similarities there the other thing would be uh, Luke Walton as a coach um, everything that we've heard so far is that Luke Walton's gonna stick around for another year and and Sam Hinkie. Um, he obviously um, brought in uh, Brett Brown, who's recently fired, a guy who's a developmental guy who is from the Pops coaching tree, who uh, was a, a big fan of, of player development, who, who was also somebody who aimed to get rid of the long two and instead focus on digs inside, layups, and, and three-pointers. And so, you know, that would be something that the Kings also have a difference in because you're not going to bring in a – you're not going to bring in a new coach right away to fit fit the play style, but obviously, obviously, the league has also grown up too. You're not going to be trading for an Andrew Bynum. You're not going to be having. You're going to have a, a lot harder time tr- trading for for people now. Picks and rookie contracts are now understood to be the most valuable portion of the league. Where I feel like in 2012, 2013, that was still kind of iffy. There were still people willing to give up. You know, the old heads were willing to give up those kinds of guys to get a star. Nowadays, I think they understand that, you know, you can you can get a star on a rookie contract. That's the most valuable thing in sports.
1: I like that Hinky came in and, and seemingly had a plan and, that revolved around an eventual championship, no matter how far down the line that was. And like you said, traded away Drew Holiday. And then in that 2014 draft after the team, uh, only won 19 games, but then in the draft, he comes away with the third and 10th pick, which become Joel Embiid and Elford Payton. Um, and yeah, I mean, he had a clear plan stepping in and a direction that he knew he wanted to take the team in. And yeah, I mean, he, he definitely dove in, uh, both feet and was just fully committed to that plan, um, and I think that that's something that Sacramento really could benefit from. But I will say that you pointed out in your piece, there was this, uh, I, I think you got a bit of it from this, right? It's like nation letter that I had no clue existed. And we're going to have to ask you a few questions about sure. um, that. Hinky, from your impression, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't as one dimensional as a lot of people make him out to be, right?
0: No, absolutely not. He So one of the things he said was uh, he, he, he wrote in the letter that their determination was that they needed to play a faster style, that he recognizes that the most important thing in the NBA of tomorrow is speed, that they needed to improve uh, shot selection towards high-efficiency basketball, um, and that they needed to build a defense that could thwart tomorrow's high-efficiency offenses. So his biggest thing was the goal is not to pick a preferred style of play. You know, right now it might be that, you know, you get a bunch of quick guys and you run down the floor and jack threes. But eventually there will be another style that comes out or something to thwart that that might be the next thing that you need to do and that the goal was not to fit a preferred style of play but aim to where future champions were going to be. And that was in 2012, obviously, he laid out, hey, we've got um, Orlando that's, that's chucking threes with Stan Van Gundy like crazy. And then you've got teams like, uh, Phoenix under Mike D'Antoni that are, that are running a seven seconds or less. Um, that's where it's headed. That's where everyone's going. And obviously the Suns and, or not the Suns, the Warriors ended up coming out and, and three years later and winning the championship. But his, his goal there is, okay, now that they're there and the, the entire league is playing this way, I would, I would bet a million dollars Sam Hinkie's not looking at, oh, we should just run fast and, and, and play a seven seconds or less offense, or or he's looking for the next thing. Who, who's going to beat the Warriors? Who's going to beat the guys that are running down the court and, and and yakking as many threes as possible? He's also somebody that that has said that uh, I well, I'm, I'm I'm struggling forwards here a little bit, but that they that you also have to have a respect for certain traditions. You know that there was some people that were like, oh great. Sam Hinkie would would be the guy that would play four on five defense. As Vivek is kind of famous for, whether or not that happened or not, but the rumor is that Vivek asked about can we have a guy stand on the other end of the court and and run through, you know, just toss the ball down the other court. Well, the Kings play four on defense with one guy back, but he also somebody who says values tradition that there are certain things that work, you know, boxing out is something that works. Um, that that uh. uh there are certain items that are the thing that you you'll always do in basketball. And, um, it was his goal to not change those things, but to take those things and improve upon them to, to best beat the team five years from now.
2: So I'm going to play a little bit of the devil's advocate on this podcast. Like I like to do a lot. Um, So I heard you guys both mention, like, the championship goal, right? Right. Um. Obviously, that goal wasn't achieved partially. Well, uh, it wasn't achieved under his tenure, obviously, but also has not been achieved by the players and the legacy that he left behind. And you can't really blame either of those things really on Hinky necessarily. But in the end, if that was the goal, it hasn't been achieved, right?
0: You're absolutely right in that. I will say that they are four bounces away from Kawhi, Leonard, like four bounces away from Kawhi Leonard going home, and them being the team that takes on a Warriors team that's completely wrecked by injury. Yeah, that, I mean that, that shot falls out. There's a chance those Sixers win a championship. Now, obviously, that couldn't also be. Uh, Rich, uh, before before you get into whatever you're going to get into. Yeah, yeah. People also – Sam Hinkie some successes that he shouldn't. Sam Hinkie never drafted Markel Fultz. He never dicked up certain trades that obviously ended up down the road. But he's also the guy that he didn't draft Ben Simmons, you know, a guy who's an all defensive player who's who looks like he could still be a, a, a one of the league's best. Sam Hinkie didn't draft him either. And in fact, he's 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 mentioned that he would have probably drafted Brandon Ingram, who in himself is is an all star and most improved player of the year this year but it's not yet Ben Simmons. So there is a – there is a uh, certain fanboys will assign Hinky too much credit at times. But you're right. They, they have not yet won a championship, but they were damn close last year.
2: Yeah, certainly. Um, I guess what I'm kind of trying to get at is if that's the goal and – you're coming up short, right? And, like, it, it would, it, it took a really long time to get to even within the striking distance, right? So that was the, that was the, the Eastern Conference semifinals that, that, uh, shot by Kawhi, correct? So, like, um, yeah, I mean, like, yes, they, I'm not trying to downplay how good they've been. They're 50, they've been a 51 team. I think if you even extrapolate out, the percentage this year, it's very close to that, if not right on it, like 49 wins, whatever it is. Sure. Um, so, like, yeah, they've been a very good team, not trying to downplay that, but it no. did – if that was – if the goal was a championship team, it wasn't accomplished by Hinky. It hasn't been accomplished by what he left behind. And it also took three years, 19 wins, 18 wins, 10 wins, 72 losses. I'm just – to start playing the devil's advocate here because, believe me, like I'm with I'm – with both of you, I think, sure. I think Brennan's with you as well. I think we would like to see it either hinky or a hinky type type of disruptor. Someone who's going to look really long term, but just to prepare, like just the amount of time that that would take and the amount of losing that it would, that would come with it. Do you think that you could sell Vivek on that, on that, on that process? Right. I mean, in understanding Especially with the current climate of how much financial trouble there is in the world, sure. with COVID. Like I mean, can you afford to have a 10 and 72 win team in Sacramento? I, th-
0: I think if if you're gonna if you were to do this, if you were going to pretending that Sam hinkey has no other process but the process, I think this would be the exact perfect time to do it. There is absolutely no chance that the NBA lets fans back into the arenas here this next season. So if you're worrying about revenue from, from a team that only wins 10 games, don't worry about it. That's not coming anyways. With COVID-19, I would not be surprised if the league sees a downturn in, in fans coming to the stands just for fear of, of, of catching something like this. There, it's going to take five years to catch back up to those numbers, the attendance numbers that they were before. So I would say that this is, especially this next year coming up, if you're going to lose, if you're going to, if you're going to win 10 games next year, this is the season to do it. Are you going to lose out on revenue and people watching? Yeah, maybe, you know, you, you you know, but the fact of the matter is, is that that 2021 draft also is a killer draft. So you've got a a killer draft at the end of this season. You know that there's, there's going to be limited or no fans in the stands anyways. Don't worry about it. This is the one to drop. On top of that, then you're only looking at another two years. The, I mean, Sam Hinkie was was general manager of the Sixers for 34 months. He didn't make it three years. The, his final record was 47 and 199. That, I mean, by all intents and purposes, I think I pointed that out in the article too, that like if you're looking at his record, yeah, you this guy's never getting another job in the league. But his strategy was always to replenish the talent pipeline, Improve the quality and quantity of the players on the roster and shift the style of play towards a, towards a, uh, a, a quicker, uh, more, more future proof team and to become a culture of, of innovation to that, that's it. The, that first part of the process, that was the only part we got of that. So I would say if, if you're going to convince Vivek of it, you're going to convince Vivek of it this year, right now. That being said, I, I really don't think that Sam Hinkie's a one-trick pony. I think I think this would be the year that he could go. Hey, we could do this again, just a little quieter. I I, I don't think the NBA would allow it, anyways. But this is the year to do it if you're going to do it at all.
2: I just want to follow up on a couple things here. Now that I've I, I've uh, got you in my crosshairs here. Do it, do it. So okay, all right. So just to pin you down on what. The reasons why you would want Hinky. is it sure. because you think that he can because based on what he did before in Philadelphia, sure. and you'd like him to replicate that, or is it because you believe in him so much as a disruptor and a, even if it's a completely, completely different thing that he does, you just think this man has got the ability to turn the franchise around by hook or by crook.
0: No, that's a, that's a perfectly honest. I mean, that's a perfectly good question. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. So he he has the uh he has the, the forward thinking enough to see the process and go, we're going to do this. And he had an owner at the time who was willing to do it. To be able to convince an owner, hey, you're going to go um, 30th in attendance two years in a row and 29th. That's, that's how it's going to be for those three years, three years that he ended up being there. You're going to take hits on every bit of this. But at the end of this time, we're going to end up being, we're going to end up being a championship caliber team. We're going to have the talent to do that the ability to do that in itself is something that uh, you're convincing somebody to not make money, to not make money. And, and and even in 2012, that's that's a big deal. So the other part of it is, is that I, uh, and again, I'll, I'll reiterate this, the process will not happen in the NBA again. The NBA would not allow that to happen. NBA owners the last time Sam Hickey was in the league was begging the NBA to step in, and the NBA pushed on the ownership, Stop it! Get get out of it! Get rid of it! Stop doing what what you're doing. They they pushed uh, a they pushed Jerry Colangelo on the Sixers to put above Sam Hinkie to rein him in. So that's never happening again. He's he will be blacklisted if he's not already. But to have a guy who's willing to look at the landscape of the NBA and say, okay, our cupboard is completely out of 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 chips. You know, we got we got we got nothing here. The, the foresight to see the process, to see the loopholes in the NBA, that in itself was was worth another shot by somebody in the NBA to go, okay, what's your next follow-up? You know, you, you, you spend your whole life um, writing your first album. Now you get 12 months to write your second album, right? In the music industry, that's kind of something that they'll say. It's the same thing with Hinky except now he's had another five years to look at the league and go, okay, where would I go next? It, obviously, he's got to play by different rules. He's already been dinged by the NBA. The NBA will be watching Sacramento, a Sacramento-led, uh, or a Sam Hinkie-led Sacramento team. They will have an eye on everything Sacramento does. So he's got to play with a greater sense of taking in the rules. He's got to play by a certain set. The, the, the dice are rolling with him is that he can he can find something else out. That He, he, he invented the process. Sure, that's over and done with. It'll never happen again. Now what do you have next? And I think, I think he's a man who, who discusses innovation enough, who, who studies the league well enough, who understands the, the market and the CBA to, to figure out how, how he can replicate the success without replicating the process.
1: counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may still be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contact list delivery drop-off setting. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees with their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download DoorDash in the app store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE. for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. My first question for that would be, do you think that being an outside point of view that's not involved in a front office now, is like, does that give him less of an advantage compared to some of these other guys? How, how, do you, how do you factor that in compared to some of these other candidates we're talking about that are currently in front offices?
0: I, I think it gives you a different perspective. It's not necessarily good or bad. You, you look at an Elton Brand, and Elton Brand has spent his entire adult life in, in the league. And, and that's a good thing. He he knows, I mean, I'm sure there are, are certain people that can say, oh, yeah, he can look at a point guard and understand whether or not he's good or not. Now, Elton Branden's not a very good GM, but but he, he has the baseline for it. Vlade had the baseline because he's been in the league long enough. He's a nice enough guy. He can do it. Sam Hinkie wasn't a basketball player. Sam Hinkie did not play college basketball. You you look at the guy and you go, no, this dude this dude has, if he picks up a basketball, it's to get somebody to sign it. But Coming from an investor's perspective, coming from an innovator perspective, coming from that Silicon Valley thing, I think he sees certain things in in a light that that they need to be seen in. And I mean, I I, I would I would talk to Blue in the face to say, go read that letter, go see how he sees the league, because he is very comfortable discussing the league as if it's as if it's investing. I mean, he, he quotes Warren Buffett. He He's close. He, you know, the way to. The way to prioritize assets and whatnot is to see. Um, I don't want to say see players. That's because he was he was uh, um, somebody who frustrated players agents at times that he was saying, hey, I'm going to send you out of here. Or he they'd break down a communication because they wanted a contract and he was three hundred, you know, three hundred thousand dollars short on what he wanted and he shut down. But. He he is more than happy to discuss the NBA as a, as an investment project and how how to get your most out of your investment. And I think that that's a that's a solid thing. Will it will it rub players the wrong way? Absolutely. That's where you would have a Vladi Dvok who would go in there and put their arm over the player's shoulder and go, "Listen, this is what Sam's trying to do." Sam also isn't Sam Hinckley isn't also somebody who is like a complete monster either. He's somebody who's. Throw, like, he, he and his wife threw players' wives' nights on, like, his second year in the league. He, he threw a night, like, they went to the arena and was like, oh, we're gonna have, we're gonna watch movies and we're gonna meet all the wives and we're gonna make sure they know that their husbands are being taken care of and see what the families are like. And then he showed up and uh, there were only two wives on the team because everyone was so young. But, like, he's somebody that he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's not, you know, he's, he's not the mindless, like, Maniac. He, you know, he's he's not the Tin Man. He has a heart. He just also understands that, like, the end goal is to win a championship, and to maximize your chances at winning a championship, there's going to be player movement, especially in the beginning.
1: My one other question I'll throw your way um, is if he is this, you know, potential visionary, like he saw the direction the NBA was going, and you know, there's a a good argument that what he did worked. Like Philadelphia is in a good spot, like you mentioned, they were. Probably a bounce away from, you know, being the champions last year. Potentially, why? What is your theory? Let's not on? overstate that. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hammer that home. Let's not overstate
2: that.
0: No, what? that's it, that gives them a shot at least. I, I'll sure. say that they have a Ed shot. Was yeah. a I, shot. Th- I think so it wasn't a them bounce away from a, finals, finals. From a championship. No, but it, it was. You guys are like, you guys are acting like, like, are acting is, like, is,
2: like the championship was in the bag. No, uh,
0: I mean the Warriors. I mean, yeah. I, I know you're a Warriors fan. I'm sorry, Rich. I didn't mean to hurt the Warriors fans' feelings. But uh, the Warriors were they had to They
2: had to beat the Bucks and then they – yeah, like we can say, okay, as long as, you know, the injuries happen exactly how they happen, then it could have yeah. gone down. No, but I just – I don't want to act like they no, got, it was they not got in the so bag. unlucky. They would not. have at
0: least been in the NBA Finals, and I would say that's even an accomplishment in itself. There would have been a different discussion about Sam Hinkie had the Sixers made the Finals. Now, even if they'd have lost in seven games – or lost in six games, or none of those injuries happened, and they lose in, in, in you know they, it only takes them five games to win. The, the fact of the matter is, then the discussion is Sam. The fanboys will say Sam Hinkie built a team that went to the NBA Finals. So, and, oh, go ahead. So, and
2: you're saying they just blaze past the Bucks no matter what?
0: No, I the, I the finals was it not the 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 Eastern Conference Finals that year that it was the Sixers. And and the Raptors and I think the it Eastern was Conference I think the Bucks
1: were out round two.
0: Yeah, like the it was it was it was the they that was the that was the go to the finals that 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 shot by Kawhi that bounced four times. Oh, was, am I was,
1: tripping? Is this too? Oh no, you're right. Eastern Conference no. semis was it? Yeah, no, they they had
2: to beat the I mean, like they went and beat the Bucks in six games after that. The Raptors did, did they not?
0: I'm I'm not a. I'm right, right. We'll no. Look,
2: we'll look yeah no. Here. I I I I uh yeah no. I'm I'm right about this.
0: Okay. If you're right, you're right. It, regardless. The right. the. the <laughs> what what was the original question? Let's let me. Let's so have, I he, just I just had,
2: I just had to hammer that home that we no, yeah. can't stop laying that up as if like oh they got
1: so unlucky to not actually no
0: no 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 yeah.
1: But no, I think, but if you're in a position where you're going to a conference finals, you need a couple a couple lucky breaks to potentially be a championship team, and I think like that in itself is a success from where they were. And my question is, what is your theory on if hinky, if this was a success and this worked out, why did he not get another shot? It's as simple as it was just a bad look
0: oh it was a it was an extremely bad look. I think we all know that teams tank. I think the biggest difference is, as Sam Hinkie explained to fans in Philadelphia, we're going to tank. And I think, I mean, you, you go back and read, read any, any article with Sam Hinkie back when he was still working as a general manager, and there are scouts, there are uh, NBA insiders, there are NBA executives who refuse to be named. They were pissed about it because they all knew that there's that line, but what he was doing was blatant. I mean, there was two game like there's two separate times where the Sixers lost 27 straight games. I think his last season, right before they brought in uh, Colangelo, they started off like it was either one in 20 or one in 30. I mean they I mean they were they were with an 18 game losing streak. So I would venture to guess it was one in 20. I mean they were they weren't just losing. They were they were playing their guys as young as possible, as many minutes as possible. And, and, and straight up saying, no, we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to lose. And, and, and because of that, w- later on, we're going to win. And I, I think that rubs enough people the wrong way that he couldn't keep his mouth shut about it. They couldn't just hire a couple older vets and then play them sparingly, like the Kings like to do, where they'll bring in a guy. And it's like, oh, well, you know, Zach Randolph is our leading scorer at 12 points a game. Yeah, that's, that's the same amount of tanking, except Sam Hinkey was throwing Rashawn Holmes in. Sam Hinkie was was picking guys who had the highest, you know, the, the highest potential in the draft, and then they had to sit out a year or two years in in the case of Embiid, because he was because he was injured. I think Sam Hinkie was just blatant about it, and the NBA will would absolutely, if they haven't already, told him do not do not walk through those doors again. Then then I I, I would assume that they would tell him you cannot do what you already have done, and fans. I mean, I wouldn't say fans. Fans were fine with it. If you talk to guys in in Philly about it, uh, we have a commenter at uh at the King's Herald, uh, Marty, who who is first and foremost a Sixers fan, and he he dropped a, a very long comment, a very nice comment on the piece that basically said that was the most exciting time in in Philadelphia sports history for him. That you just couldn't explain it. That the fans bought in, and that was the issue, I think. That if fans were able to buy into something like that and go, yeah, lose for three years and let's see what happens then then you upset what makes the league the league you know if fans are rooting to lose rather than to win you would have people that are happy of happy that that you go on a 30 game losing streak like that they're not showing up to the games but they're also not incentivizing their team to do the right thing and i i don't think the league could have that that's not a conspiracy theory that's just in my opinion i don't think the league could have that
2: no of course they couldn't have that i so there, and I, well, I think part of that also is while Marty may have been happy and while I think I would be very happy because I'm uh like, I love that stuff. I love terrible basketball teams. I'm a glutton for punishment. I don't know that everybody is like, there's, there are the more casual fans that sure. w- wouldn't understand what's even happening. Right. Yeah, sure. That would just be like, oh, this team is garbage and I'm not going to put my money towards it.
0: We had another commenter that said the same thing, that if oh they hired Sam Hinky that he would get rid of his season tickets. And those are the guys, the, the advertising, the guys that buy the box seats and everything else, those are the guys that wouldn't understand and be pissed about it.
2: So a few things. One, I'm going to drive this point home that they haven't been that successful. It's not like they built a dynasty. No, no, now, no.
0: Sixers have not built a dynasty at all.
2: They were one lucky bounce away from –
0: being, being
2: one. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> being two, being two series against two good teams sure, away from winning sure. a championship. The season before that, they lost to your Boston Celtics, Brendan, when they didn't Don't have worry. Kyrie, when they were supposed to lose that, like they were supposed to, like scary. Terry put them away. If you remember that series uh previously. And then they just got swept out of the playoffs this year. So I'm just going to say like, let's calm down a little bit on like the, uh, on how well they did. Yes. A 50 win team seems like a uh, you know seems like a dynasty to to anyone that's been watching Sacramento Kings basketball, and it would be an incredible success. I don't think that we really see a path for the Sacramento Kings team no. as currently constructed to get there. So that would be the huge success, right? But just going to do a few more things here, um, Hinkie, especially with this close attention that you're describing that would be paid to him. I don't know that he could be as effective right? Like, maybe he would try to do it in different ways. I'm not sure that his strength was in identifying basketball talent. He did a very good job, especially, like, with second-round picks and some free agents. Like, I think he signed, like, Christian Wood. He got
0: T.J. McConnell. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
2: Yeah, so, like, he definitely did well there. But I I think that I would guess that his strength is more – Asset evaluation, rather
0: than like specific yeah, asset accumulation. Of, on top of that, I mean, it wasn't just. Yeah, and he he got as many as many bullets in that gun as he could. So, assuming he'd be coming back into a league that has
2: adjusted to a lot of the things that he was preaching that were ahead of the time at the time, no sure. longer ahead of the time. Sure. And assuming that he'd be under more close scrutiny by sure. the league. I'm not sure that he could be as successful in a long term uh retool, rebuild, redevelopment of a team. Sure. And it's obvious that and again I'm I'm mostly playing devil's advocate here, but sure, sure, sure. and it's obvious that any uh you wouldn't get Hinky to like compete now. You know what I mean? That wouldn't obviously not be the goal. You wouldn't be like, let's hire Sam Hinky and let's get better next year. Sure. Um so I just wonder if if that's if you're trying to get better now, you'd obviously hire someone else so I think like even if it's not the process, you'd still be looking at hinky to do something yeah to do a at least
0: teardown. yeah
2: yeah so and I, I so just to get back to that for a second like they I, I wonder how much of the ability to do the process in its entirety was based on a like they had just come out of the playoffs. Right, like it, I think it had been one year they missed the playoffs when Hank, when he, he, he was hired, and they've sure. been in yeah. the playoffs pretty frequently. Three of the past four years before that, probably a uh, you know, like a bigger market. I just wonder if could the Kings even do that if they're coming out of 14 years straight without the playoffs? Like, just you, maybe you know. I was just getting back to your your point about not worrying about you know the ticket sales because I think that is a very good point but the brand itself could is already in such a bad place that i mean and, and just knowing that it took 5 years from his hiring date for them to get back into the playoffs at all like would you personally be on for that like if they it, I, I you think and and would you personally think that the the kings like brand could survive 5 years of like really being terrible worse than they would be yeah, they, already
0: they, they've survived 14 years of being terrible I think the, I think the biggest thing there is what what you're kind of describing. I, this is just what kind of popped into my head, Rich, is that, um, Sam Hincky basically ran up behind the league and punched him in the back of the head. And then before he could fight the, the league, he was dragged away by his friends. Like he got fired. So it's like he, he surprised everybody with his ability to basically, um, pull assets from them. And then this process event that happened. And then he got pulled away before we could see whether or not it was successful. Um, I also want to point out that like he was also gone before the draft in 2016. So any any of the stuff, and a, I think a lot of the blame that goes on the Sixers, I don't think you can put on Sam Hinkie. I mean, it, it would. I mean, we could argue one way or another until we're blue in the face about it. But like, there were other there were Colangelo's there, there was Elton Brand there that made the decisions. I mean, a lot of the pieces. That would have won or lost them these series that we're hypothetically reaching out for. Those are pieces that were either brought in or left by by other people, other than Sam Hinkie. So that that goes to your point, and also I guess goes against your point a little bit. But I I do think that that there'd be an issue a little bit with with bringing him into into Sacramento. The biggest thing you would do is you'd bring Sam Hinkie in, and he would be a part of. As as much as he was in Philly accidentally, I think the Kings would pitch Sam Hankey as part of the culture build. Like they would hype him up to be like one of the star players. He would have to be front and center one of the guys that's going to turn this thing around. Something that's very rare for people in the league other than maybe like a Maasai or a, or a, a Daryl Morey maybe a little bit or an R.C. Buford quietly, like you would have to pitch him as like, this is the dude that's going to do it. And and you would have to get out into the public and let them know, much like he did, again, kind of accidentally or quietly in, in Philly, you would have to preach, this is what's going to happen, so that everybody knows, you know, that they're about to be watching a science experiment for three years. Now that, again, I, I think that even with the league watching him, he was able to assess talent in a way that few others were. He 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 got guys in the second round or undrafted. He had a, a team of people in place that 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 scouted the league well enough to get these guys kind of out of, out of nowhere. I think for the Kings that you that has to be a priority. Prioritizing the second round and undrafted people, uh, building up your G League to the point like a Toronto where you're you're bringing people from the farm, putting them on the team, and you're heading towards the playoffs with those people has to be a priority. And I think Sam Hinkie, outside of people in Toronto, I think he's the guy that had said that, had seen that happening eight years ago.
2: So say he's able to replicate the same timeline, which we've agreed like might be harder for him to pull off sure. now. Like, is that something that's feasible to you? I mean, is this does this mean that? So, on that same timeline, we're talking five years to playoffs. De'Aaron Fox would be in his eighth, eighth year in in the in the league. Is this this would this mean a complete teardown? Like, are you saying goodbye to De'Aaron Fox for the sake of this? I mean, I don't know that you could
0: yeah, get and him to
2: stay for seven years of no playoffs. And yeah, and year. I don't.
0: I don't even know. I don't know if I can agree to the timeline anyways, just because the assets are so different and the league is so different. Where he prioritized speed as much as possible, he might see the Aaron Fox. He might see a Marvin Bagley and he might realize that the people he really needs to get away with. I mean, he needs to, he needs to get out on, on Harrison Barnes. Um, he, he, he needs to, he would be less tearing down and more reshaping. I think you can trade Harrison Barnes to a Sixers team for, Somebody worth it, somebody a little bit younger, or you could. He has a different mindset because the Kings are already built a little bit closer to than what the Sixers were. What the Kings don't have, what might take time, is is the ability to draft at a high level and to pick that talent out. They've got a very small scouting department. They have a non-existent uh, analytics department. That I think would take a couple of years to bolster. And I think that might be the thing that slows you down a little bit. But I think the Kings are closer to the playoffs, and, uh, or I think the Kings are closer to long-term success than what the Sixers were at that point. And I think that just changes Hinky's mindset a little bit.
1: Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE.
2: It's interesting i I think that with the considerable shift towards the hinky mindset and just if they already know what he's about and they already have seen him kind of he's already taken people for a full kind of fool me once shame on you like i I don't know that they'd be had again quite so easily, and I also think that with the with the uh awareness of what a bad contract can do like I'm personally worried about how, you know, what you can get off of Harrison Barnes, like how you get off of Harrison Barnes, or like if it's even, like, if you can get an asset at all. Like, yeah. it, it, you know what I mean? Um, well, and, like, how would you how would you go about that? Like, could you expect to actually commit assets, or is it just you're cleaning the books and you're hoping to draft well, or what does this look like?
0: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I mean, he, he there are certain things like uh, Andrew Bynum, who's a far worse player than than Harrison Barnes, uh, they just let, they just let Andrew Bynum go basically. Like there are certain people that they just they just full on dropped that that they they got n- really nothing out of, and and they just kind of cut cut their losses and that was that. And um, I, I I wouldn't see that happening for Harrison Barnes, but I think what he's able to do is uh, I, I, so he's he's willing to twist. Whatever he can out of somebody, even if it's a second round pick, even if it's what this and that. I mean, if if it's if it's oh, we'll, we'll take Car- we'll take Al Horford and and you know why don't you throw in that second rounder and twist their arm for a second rounder? He'll t- he'll poke and he'll prod and he'll ask and he'll he'll hold the deal up until he gets a little bit of that extra. And you you say that you know though they they won't get fooled again, but I don't think that's true. I think there are teams, I mean, even good teams that get had regularly and, and sometimes for, for no reason. Um, I mean, you think of like, uh, Oklahoma City in the hall that they got for, for, uh, Russell Westbrook and whatnot. Like, uh, I don't think Daryl Morey's an idiot, but I, I think, I think that was a risky move. And I think, you know, Daryl Morey might come out looking stupid on that one. I think everyone, everyone ends up screwing something up unless you're the Kings and you screw up multiple ones. But I think even the best get had, and Sam Hinkey's the guy that knows when, when you can be had. Um, if I can bring up one example, uh, so in 2015, they drafted Jaleel Okafor. Uh, now, they could have had Kristaps, and that's an argument that people are like, oh, well, he, they didn't draft the best. They could have had Kristaps at four, Miles Turner at 11. Devin Booker was 13 that year. The next year, um, um, Jaleel Okafor was having a fairly good year. They had already hired um, Colangelo at this point to kind of rein Hinky in. Hinky had a deal in place with the Sixers to, to get an unprotected Nets first rounder in 2016 from Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge later said that the, the, the Philadelphia 76ers pulled back on that deal, that it would have been that and other assets to get Julio Okafor. Had that happened – What does that change about about Danny Ainge? Because that third pick ended up being Jalen Brown, who's a big part of their team now. That same year, the Sixers had the first overall pick. They ended up with the first overall pick. They also had the right to swap picks with the Lakers, who ended up with the second overall pick and got Brandon Ingram. But had they gone anywhere other than that, it would have ended up a Philly pick. So at one point or another, the Sixers, had they gotten lucky, which they hadn't, they'd either dropped in their picks or stayed where they were supposed to. They would have had the first overall. They would have had the, the, the Celtics. They would have gotten the Nets pick from the Celtics, so that's third overall. And they would have had somewhere at four or five, too, on top of the 24th and 26th pick. I don't think they would have used all five picks. But guys in that area, that's Ben Simmons. That's uh, Brandon Ingram, who, who Sam Hinkie had said that he probably favored Brandon Ingram a little bit more than Ben Simmons at that point. That's Buddy Heald range. That's Jamal Murray range. So they could have had a team with Jamal Murray, Brandon Ingram, um, Joel Embiid, just off of a couple of drafts. That team looks entirely different if the Celtics got the trade that they wanted. The Celtics would not have been the team that they were either had they had Julia Locafor instead of Jalen Brown. So Sam Hinkie. Is able to pry those away from the likes of Danny Ainge, who gets everybody. I mean, he's the guy who's constantly pantsing people in the league, and and, and Hinky was able to do that, as others have been able to do, to to some of the better ones in the league.
2: Yeah, I I think I get a little bit lost sometimes in the sliding doors of it all. Sure. Um, and you know, there hey, there there are picks that he made that probably could have or should have been better than they were. It can go both ways. Sure. I, I do think that it's hard to, for me personally, with what you mentioned about the league adjusting to his tactics, it's hard for me to imagine him being quite as successful again. Uh, but I think where I am with you and where I can drop the devil's advocate of it all is just to say that I would like a good business mind in charge of the Kings and, um, sure and especially someone who was given uh, full control of the Kings and it not really be muddled or up for debate or there be confusion around, you know, who is making final decisions and sure. who needs advisors and what influence those advisors are having over each move, right? Um, so that's, that's like where I would be excited is just to have someone that, I can feel confident in their track record as a just a decision maker. Yes. And is that is that is that kind of what this comes down to altogether? Does it even need to be hinky for no. you?
0: No, okay. no, absolutely not. I, I think that there's obviously other choices that we we have talked about as a as a fandom. You know, you you think about about a Bobby Webster, you think about a Tolzman. I think the biggest thing is is that the Kings need somebody who's forward thinking. That is that is we, we had uh, a guy like Pete D'Alessandre who said, Oh, trust me. You know, I've, I've done this before. This is my job. Trust me. But he, he wasn't, you know, the things he was doing were not pointing to, towards any sort of forward thinking. He had said that if, if, um, Mike Malone had, had started the year like 24 and one, he still would have fired him. It just wasn't going to work out. He, he got rid of Isaiah Thomas because six million and or six and a half million was too much for the guy who had the previous season gone 21 points over six assists. Then you then you bring in like a, a Vladi Divac who, who who in his very first trade didn't understand how stretching a contract worked. So he got rid of Nick Stauskas and, and Jason Thompson and a bunch of picks to make that happen. He, I mean, and that was a, that was a Sam Hinky trade, but we've had, we've had managers on this team that are not forward thinking that, that, that they're picking Papa Giannis because, like, oh, you know, he was, he's he's a big guy. You know, what else can you say about the guy? And there was a lot of trust. Me, this guy's uh, this guy's a gem. No, the Kings have have not turned over a single rock that ended up being a gem. Having a guy who, like a Bobby Webster, like a Tolzman, Sam Hinkie would be somebody who's included. Daryl Moore if he Daryl Morey if he becomes available, these guys are people that understand. Uh, the value of analytics. These are the guys that need um, to staff a large scouting department that understand that basketball now has gone beyond what your buddy tells you or how he looks in one session or, oh, I watched the NCAA finals and the guy who, uh, who really stood out to me is the guy that I'm going to draft in the second round. Like there was too much of that where you could tell that the Kings were picking based off of, off of, you know, not film of, of any sort, but just, oh, I watched the NCAA, you know, March Madness is here. And this is the kid that I kind of liked who was available at the time. And and they they weren't interested in asset collection past, oh, I'll trade this number 10 pick for a couple of lower picks. Or, you know, they didn't see the value in second round picks and they'd trade them for cash instead of keeping a guy like Gary Trent Jr. Or, or picking people in their range. And, and that, I think, is the most important thing. I think the, the article wrapped up that way by saying that the, the most important thing, like this is less about Sam Hinkey in general and more that I have 13 pages here that tell me that Sam Hinkey wants what the Kings fans have been desperately searching for for a long time and that's somebody who, who isn't just, oh, well, we'll get the eight seed and then, then I'll have some goodwill behind all the casual fans. That we want a guy that wants a championship that, and even if it takes a little while longer. Obviously the process was the process for a reason. It, it was long and drawn out at three years in time. But the fact of the matter was it was aimed, it was a swing towards a championship. Now that, that swing was incomplete because of, of Sam Hinkie's firing. He never got a chance to do what he thought he could do whether he could or not is a question mark forever. But we want at least I want somebody who's willing to look at 14 years ago. It's going to be 17 uh, before we make it to the playoffs. But when, when we're there, it's going to be an eight-year window. It's going to be a five-year window. And and that's something that the Kings haven't had since the, since, you know, the turn of the millennia.
1: I agree with you on um, that, you know, we need someone that's going to be patient and look long-term and, um, that obviously hasn't been the case recently, and I can say at very least I, I like the idea of Hinky better than I like um, Scott Perry that is the other candidate we've dived into here, and we'll have to go through some of the other ones as well before I decide how I feel on Hinky compared to some of the others here. Um, but is there any other points that you want to get out on Hinky here before we kind of wrap up? Well
0: No, no, I think, I think we wrapped it up. I think I think the biggest thing is to understand that he was an asset collection guy. And somebody who had a vision for the future. That's the biggest thing. He had he, he acquired twenty six new picks in twenty six months. You know, picks or pick swaps. And that's a big deal for for the Kings. You know, if they if they had that many attempts at somebody good, eventually they're gonna catch a couple. And and that was the biggest point that I wanted to make. That he's not he's certainly not perfect. He's certainly not the uh, the basketball god that he was that he's been made out to be by some fanboys. But he's certainly that somebody that has one of the most interesting takes in the room and has proven that he's able to at least finagle some people out of a pick and so that's something that Kings fans haven't had in a long time and something that I would absolutely welcome as, as a member of the Kings fan
1: can't thank you enough Will for coming on the show and taking the time out of your day man and anybody that hasn't checked it out uh, definitely go read Will's piece on the Kings Herald as a compliment to this diving into Sam Hinkey and plenty of other great work on the site as well subscribe to the Patreon to support Local uh, independent Kings coverage, and thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. Hear from us again in the next couple of days. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and Basketball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion, we'll go with six-time NBA champion, Robert Ory. See what they had to say and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BETONLINE, your online wagering experts.